It's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Foley is Pod. And, of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, the hardcore legend himself, ladies and gentlemen, Mick Foley. Mick, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a great day to be alive and to be listening to Foley is Pod. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. We, uh, we've we been looking forward to this one. It's a, a very special edition of Folius Pod today. It's Ask Mick Anything. This is the first time we've done this, right? We're going to be all over the place, answering a ton of different questions about a ton of different topics. And can I tell you something from experience? Everybody has something they like to talk about that no one asks them about. Right. And if you could find what that something is, I don't care how big the celebrity is, they will... They will want to talk to you. Case in point, uh, when you're out there on the, the, the Comic-Con scene is really cool because of the disparity of people. And I used to look forward to like the Saturday night dinner where you'd have like me and Kevin Nash along with uh, Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazzard. Uh, we had a, a, still a dear friend, Sandra Taylor, who was in a bunch of movies and was a uh, you know, playboy and playmate model. And then uh, you'd have the heel from... Um, Predator or one of the Schwarzenegger movies. One night there was a uh, <clears throat> disparity over the bill. Somebody wasn't paying up, and I think it was one of the stars from like Silver Spoons or something. <laughs> it wasn't Silver Spoons, but she was like, "But, but I was on Silver Spoons. I used to be on Silver Spoons." And Kevin goes, "We all used to be somebody. Like that's no reason not to pay the bill because 37 years ago you were on Silver Spoons." <clears throat> but I asked. Catherine, who has become a good friend over the years, this is Daisy Duke, right? Like, how many young men grew up with that poster? A, yeah, poster, right? And it's you, you, Daisy Duke. It's ubiquitous, right? It's like the Blue Meanie wore Daisy Dukes. You don't yes. even have to say Daisy Duke shorts. We all know what they are. Yes. So I asked her if there was anything she was particularly proud of that uh, nobody asked her about. And she told me about a series she did with Roger Robert. Um, Mitchum, uh, Robert Mitchum, yeah, Robert Mitchum, and I said, "Did anybody ask you about that today?" Because she had saw three, four hundred people. She goes, "Listen, I'm fine with who I am." I said, "But it would have been nice." She said, "Yeah, it would have been nice." So therefore, you know, African Skies is the name of the the series. So in my case today, I did a couple of cameos, and one guy said, "I just want to ask you about your time on Warren the Ape." And he had me in the palm of his hand because nobody asked me about Warren the Ape, which was a, I was the second choice behind Jericho to be the guy that Warren bonds with over our mutual uh, anger issues. And if anyone has not seen Warren the Ape, highly recommended. Without Warren the Ape, there's no Ted because Warren was like a a booze-addicted, drug-fueled, womanizing uh, puppet, ape puppet. And it was such a cool experience. Did he go, woo, or anything like he that? He didn't. Uh, <laughs> but there, just to give you uh, an example, there was a scene where, where this was not my 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 episode. There was a scene where uh, Warren is at some type of uh, grief counseling, and a woman is explaining how her husband died in a car crash in Rancho Cucamongo. And every time she says Rancho Cucamongo. Warren starts laughing because of the silliness of the name. Yeah. So our episode, our episode was re- it was really a lot of fun. Uh, but one of the most embarrassing moments of my career, and one of my most painful too, is that uh, uh, I was supposed to uh, go out miniature golfing with Warren, 
and I was supposed to become really upset when the golf ball that I hit through a giant hamster or <laughs> a raccoon, some kind of this fiberglass creature gets stuck in the in the apparatus, and there's me with the golf club going up the behind of the little fellow, and I get so upset that it won't come out. They said, we need you, to, you know, what can you do to this? And I said, hey, if it's as fragile as you say, they said, whatever you do, don't touch this thing until it's time. I said, if it's as fragile as you say, I'll be able to drop an elbow right through this thing. And they said, okay, here comes the time. I'm trying to get, I got the golf club going up this little guy's wazoo. I get so upset. I get the three-step approach. I take off, get a little decent height for a guy my size. And when I hit that thing, it doesn't give at all. I remember my feeling of my body ricocheting, <laughs> throwing me to the ground. And I'm laying on the ground saying all those curse words that I ever say in real life. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It just hurts so badly. Then they come over and they go, don't worry. No one will ever see this footage. And I go, I'm a wrestler. Keep it rolling. And so the footage you see is of me uh underwear showing uh, not my greatest moment but i was like I i'm so it. proud of the fact that i said i'm a wrestler keep it going yeah that was a good moment i gotta see it i never saw it warren so, the was... ape anger management it only ran for one season and the cool thing about it uh barry bloom highly recommended this thing to me he says mtv's really high on it uh i get the script i said there's really nothing here he said yeah the lead guy he just improvises you think you can play off my yes i can so it's an actor laying on a gurney looking up through a series of mirrors that show him me and then he plays off you and there were so many takes where they had to stop because i was laughing so hard and uh we uh we end up going to a strip club and it's okay to go to a strip club as a married man if you're doing it on a tv show like like we just learned last week with the freebirds with buddy i was working baby <laughs> I was, I was working. It's working, yeah. <laughs> I was working the greatest way. So if you're on, what's the big street there in New Orleans? Uh, oh, Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street. If you're on Bourbon Street and your old lady catches you making out with another woman, just say, I was working. A brand new shirt available at <laughs> foliuspodshirts.com right now. Pick I was, that up. Uh, I, I just have this one for this trip. I don't have the I'm duding up uh, shirt. Uh, or the uh, the new one with the uh, King of the Death match. Oh, and now we got a the nice now one, one. Right? I'm working. There's so well, much good stuff. A series but, of them. Listen, I do want to follow up. Um, you alluded to, and you sort of joked and said it wasn't really Silver Spoons. But maybe there was a lady once that you went to a meal with and she didn't think she should have to pay because she was on Silver Spoons. Is that real? That's real. You can ask Kevin. And I can't help but notice, like, when we think about celebrities and maybe free food or you're pretty decked out in Whataburger gear today. I am. It's a little unusual. I, I, I wasn't, a, I wasn't aware of that. And also it's uh, not often that uh, the rocks energy drink Zoa takes a back seat to the uh, lemon line uh, the lemonade light. So we got a Whataburger giant styrofoam yeah. cup and we got orange glasses. <laughs> I think they say Whataburger down the stems <laughs> And we've got a hat, and you came in here with like a small suitcase. <laughs> what? 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 Uh, did you get a free meal today? Oh boy, I got more than that. Uh, as you know, you walk I, uh, in and say, "I was on Silver Spoons." Uh, oh, wow. Close to it. <laughs> no, no, they recognize me. 
this was like something out of a movie. As you know, we've talked about, I feel like we do our best shows when I'm here in Huntsville yes. in studio. And we've done a couple of really good shows. King of the Death Match was one of my favorites, done from my mom's kitchen. And then the, the episode I did at my mom's house prior to that, we had the run-in from my mom who, and my daughter. And Noel. Yeah, Noel. So that was a lot of fun. But I do like being in here. And uh, something was going on in Huntsville that I'm, I, I still can't figure it out. Even at the hotel, they were looking for events. There was no big concert, no reason for everything to be sold out. Right. I, try, tra- I travel quite a bit, you know, when I log on to a couple of travel sites, you see what you can get, and boom. As you know, I have a, a favorite in the area. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't available. Nothing available. You had to go about 20 miles. Uh, the, the um, Madison is not 20 miles, but it's about... That's well, a suburb of Huntsville, yeah. yeah. Um, so I had to, I got a broken, I was not even, it was like a 1992 era Foley establishment. Not something I would stay in in the current time. Case in point, uh, I thought Mickey was going to possibly be on this trip with me, so I got two queens. I sat on the first queen and it just went, boom, shattered. Just not shattered, but Last collapsed. Time. Last night, collapsed. So one cl- queen out of out of commission, I had to call up and say, "Hey, listen, was it, this was wasn't it the me. Spanish one?" Just <laughs> <laughs> asking. It was a Spanish bed. There was a sign that said, "Stay away from the English." Hugo uh, took the slowest bump ever behind it. Hugo, Hugo was—he loved it, right? Yes. Like, did you see him dive for cover for the, the cell? He just got out just in the nick of time. Uh, but anyway, I, I contacted you, and uh, you said, hey, I'm going to be uh, 15 minutes late. I said, that'll give me time to go to Whataburger. I go a little bit out of my way, so I'm going to circle up north and then come back yes. down. And I get there. It's brand spanking new. I go through the drive through Nothing. There's no signs, anything. No one working the drive through And when I go to walk in, I can see that it's it's locked. And so... As I'm walking back to my car, the door opens up. Are you Mick Foley? And it was like having the keys to the kingdom. It was a brand new establishment. Official opening date, um, November 28th. And they were doing tests on the food, you know, tests and training the staff. So they brought me in, uh, loaded me up the chili cheese burger is incredible with the Fritos on it. Hey, listen, there's not a very good chance that either of my child, my younger boys are listening to this. They're both uh, vegans. Huey, my youngest, prouder of it than he probably should. You know, doesn't just want to be vegan, wants you to be vegan too. So if he hears, catches wind that the old man was at Whataburger, it'll be hurt. But I have to tell you, uh, I, I, it's a, it's my exception meal, right? It's my exception. You've been around me when we get the, the pizza or something. I always just go with the veggie toppings. Yes. You know, and uh, clearly if you're eating cheese, you're not vegan, but you can be a vegetarian eating cheese. But I have to believe that any cow would be proud to lay down his life if he knew it was for the hardcore legend. So... I, I I didn't know what to think about you coming in here swagged out with Whataburger gear, uh, but now we, we're going home with a story. Good for you. Uh, you know, it just reminds me. You asked me, you know, just so I don't want people to think Foley's pot is fake, but we did set that up. You know, a little bit. A little you bit. walked in with a bag, <laughs> with and I, bag. what in the world? I said that's not all I have, Conrad. 
And so uh, you said, when should I address this? I said, just when it feels right. And that reminds me. So I realize I can talk about other subjects as long as wrestling is my tether. There has to be a, it has to come back to wrestling. So what I'm going to, my tether here is when Kurt Angle won his first WWE title when yes. I was commissioner. I, I told him, this is when I had kind of free reign, as long as I got to the points. But the verbiage was almost always entirely up to me. And I said, Kurt, uh, uh, the point I made was that unlike when I won the title, there was no one there to celebrate it with him. And what his first title victory is primarily known for is the huge booger yes. in his nose. Just nasty. Um, and I said, so I'm going to tell you, I feel bad for you. I, I wish I'd been there for you, and I want to be here now with a hug. And Kurt says, okay, uh, how long are you going to hug me for? I said, until it becomes uncomfortable. <laughs> this is, it shouldn't be that way, right? Uh, the man, two dudes hugging yeah. should, but it is. It still is. Yes. It's, it's still funny. Yes. I will say 20 years from now, it's still going to be funny, yes. even though in a perfect world, it wouldn't be. Because you'd be like, why, why are they uncomfortable hugging each other? Um, but that, with that being said, I will ask permission once in a while if I, and I'm pretty good at picking up on someone who needs a little attention. And sometimes I'll see a young lady, you know, and they're clearly a big fan. And I'll ask, I'll say, do I have permission to lay in the hug for about 15 seconds? Because it takes about 15 seconds to transfer oxytocin. Did you know this? I did not know this. This is a true story. You can, you can Google it. You can look it up scientifically. It's like the feel-good hormone and anti-anxiety, uh, stress relief. Yeah, you can transfer that energy. And I'm not a crazy, you know, new age person, but I read about it and it takes about, you can't just do it with a quick bro hug. It's got to be in there for a little while. And that can look weird, even if you're at a convention, to see uh, people hugging for 20 seconds. 15, 20 seconds, but that's apparently how long it takes. So I was I was just trying to transfer some oxytocin to Kurt Angle while getting a pop for the uncomfortably long hug. And Kurt, so when he said, how long uh, are you going to hug me? Uh, I said, until it becomes uncomfortable. He said, okay, and then what? I said, I'm going to hug you some more. So it was, if you look at Kurt's reaction, it was like, he's such a great comic actor the best the best like best comedic foil i had to work with he goes from like content to concerned to mildly panicked to just outright upset me finally oh god you know pushes me away so uh, that situation reminds me of you saying how long should we continue this <laughs> to be interviewed wearing it's a fair Ar question orange sunglasses and a lot i of thought you out. were going to do a bit where you know if you've seen like in high school uh, a kid who's maybe a big recruit to several schools, he's going to get a scholarship. And yeah. He's had multiple offers. Well, they usually have like a little table in front of him, and he'll have hats for the different schools yeah, who've offered. Right, yeah. And I'm going to take my talents, too, and then he'll put the hat on. And I thought you were going to do a gig about, hey, man, I'm going to take my talents to the Whataburger. I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. <laughs> if LeBron had that one line to take back, right? That'd be it. Oh, what a terrible line. But, uh, take my talents to South Beach. I actually did a parody of that uh, that my son when I announced who was going to be inducting me. Yeah, and so I called it the decision on YouTube. 
Uh, it's out there somewhere. So my son Mickey interviewed me, and I was the decision. I don't know if I was going to take my talents, but I did announce that Terry Funk would be inducting me. Well, now that you've got your uh, your Whataburger, I think now feels like a great time to remind everybody that building a workout routine shouldn't take hours of research, and keeping things challenging shouldn't mean buying even more gear. The FitBot app creates a workout routine that adapts as you improve and use the equipment you already have. So you can reach the next level without burning through all your free time or your cash. Uh, now, if you're trying to find uh, the right time, or maybe you've been struggling to find the time, well, let me recommend that you can get started and stick to a program. And those are the two biggest obstacles to exercising. But now you can easily create a dynamic routine personalized to your equipment and your goals with the FitBod app. Uh, and, and this brings along, you know, lots of the natural questions. What are the goals you're trying to set? And what progress are you seeing? And that's the reason I think this FitBot app is the move. My wife's been using it. She absolutely loves it. Uh, she's got all the data, everything she needs. And what's really cool about this is you just add in your equipment, you pick a fitness goal, and FitBot creates the routine for you. Whether you've been missing gym time, maybe you've hit a plateau, well, a fresh start has never been easier. The app switches up your exercises to avoid overtraining or burnout, and your program changes based on your personal progress for maximized results. A full year of FitBot is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. Think about that. A full year of FitBod, less than just one session with a personal trainer. So join FitBod today and create a routine that grows with you without slimming down your wallet. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app free at the link in the description below or go to fitbod.me forward slash Foley. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Foley. Or just check out the link in the description and uh, maybe we might need a little FitBot after the oh, water after burger. This. Huh? Oh, my goodness. This is, they gave me an extra one, and it's so good, the chili cheese. What's the over-under on how many weeks it takes FitBot to discover that you and I are probably not the best guys? <laughs> probably probably the one where you ate Whataburger during it, if I had to guess. But you know what? If that wasn't the funniest ad read we're going to do in a while, I mean, that's an all-timer. That's as good as Hot Tag for Your Wiener. Hot Tag for Your Wiener. That should be a T-shirt right there. Oh, we can do that. Uh, Hot tag for your wiener uh, right now over at Foley's Pod you. Shirts. So, uh, hey, listen, I'm going to make a commitment to drop this weight, some weight. I put on a lot of weight during 2023, the 2023, that's the goal? 2023, I got to be down. I got to be under three bills again. You know, I got down as low as 238. And, wow. uh, and Yeah, when I was the, the commissioner. And I didn't think it was a good look for me. You yeah. know, it's not the look. I don't think people liked me as much. I think 275 is my, you know, would be the ideal. But if I'm under three, I think I'm good. Well, the weight I'm carrying now is too much for my knees and my yeah. lower back. You know, when you're breaking beds, you're <laughs> 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 going through the Spanish speaking bed. Um, you could so have blamed the blue chew, but the wife wasn't. Uh, there you so, go. Yeah. But I'm gonna Fitbod. Okay, Fitbod. Okay, with all the apologies to DDP, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Fitbod a try. And I'm going to cut back on some of those late night excursions uh, I do. Oh, the damage I do at 3 a.m. sometimes is really. Oh, What's a 3 a.m. Oh. routine look like? Oh, well, you know, um, I used to take uh, Ambien to help me sleep, but it has that. This is years ago. It has that quality where it shuts off one part of your mind, but not the other, the primal part. 
uh, which is why some people are, are get pulled over for sleep driving or driving without realizing. I mean, that they're conscious of it, but they don't remember it. So um, this was my second late night sleep eating binge where I was essentially uh, eating without realizing it. And my daughter filmed me because uh, the previous time it had scared Mickey that his dad was out there uh, going into the refrigerator, like uh, just item after item. It doesn't. It's just whatever's in there is going down the hatch. And so my daughter, remember when I did the pickle juice? Yes. I did that because my daughter recorded me drinking a jar of pickle juice that I had no memory of. So, uh, but even today, I, I have a tough time sleeping. I always have. And it's like it goes through your mind. Maybe maybe I ate good all day, healthy-wise, got my vegetables in there. My A1 greens, which um, sometimes uh, help sponsor the show. I really yeah. like those. Um, that all logic goes out the window. When you're on the hunt like that, there's really no stopping me. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah. You, you might actually, yeah. you might have a different variation. You might have CT eat. <laughs> I mean, you know, no memory of eating that. That's right. <laughs> CT. It happens. You don't want to be in the in between me and a refrigerator at three or four a.m. It's really bad. And my kids do an imitation of me. Oh, buddy, come on, I had a food binge. I've woken up and I've found every single thing from the mini bar. Uh, you know, they don't do that much anymore in the hotels. No, they, they have the ten dollar Milky Ways and all that. But I would wake up and I would see every single edible gone talking not edible edibles but yeah, potato yeah, yeah. chips and all that so now if i am in a hotel room that offers that i call right up and i say please remove this from my room uh, it'll never make it through the night and then you have to pay the bill like 150 dollars for a bunch of snack foods you know yeah, yeah which doesn't work if nah. you're staying at uh well we'll call it i don't want to say a name but maybe it's uh, a a worst eastern <laughs> <laughs> That's where I stayed last night. Uh, with the Spanish announce table bed. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but thumbs down, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I thought you were doing them a service when you didn't want to say their name. So yeah. I thought, yeah, we'll just we'll give them a gimmick name. It's uh, worst. Eastern. Although there's a tremendous Best Western on Sunset uh, in Los Angeles. And it's at the time, it was so economical, but it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful Best Western. That was the best, best Western I've been. But last night, I don't know. Well, just so you know, uh, and, and I guess we can do this since we're just sharing with the audience, you're welcome to stay at my house. I am? I just assumed that this was your, since you're a big-time movie star and all, that it was your preference. <laughs> but I know back in the day, when you were frugal <laughs> McDougal, you were sleeping. You know, oh, I was couch hopping. Do you know why I stopped? Why? This is a true story, and I've told it before at a few of my live shows. Um, I won't tell the, the name of the indie manager because he's deceased. Uh, it wouldn't be uh, fair to him. But um, he was he, he was a he was a good guy and he was a pretty good manager. He was a magician, okay. So he would use a foreign object then make it disappear, which is oh, that's pretty great. Gimmick. I could use a cane, boom, it's gone. And uh, so I was staying. Uh, it's it's cooler and funnier to say you stayed on the couch yes. instead of a spare bedroom. But I usually stayed in a spare bedroom when I stayed with fans. And I was WWE champion. I'm staying at the house and about eight in the morning. <laughs> Can you imagine? Let's just imagine. It's 1986, and Ric Flair wants to know if you've got a spare bedroom. 
You better imagine. I'm just in a limousine riding, couch surfing, and woo! We're going to have a few friends over. There won't be no, nothing left in that mini bar either. But anyway, continue. So about 8 a.m., people start coming by the house. And I thought, oh, this is a, I don't, it's not my house. Oh, you're doing a meet and greet for it, you. It's what it seemed like. And I don't want, I don't ever want to talk down about any of my fans, but this was kind of a ragged looking group of people coming by early in the morning. And so later that night when I was back home, he called me up and I remember thinking to myself, Hey, you're the WWE champion. Who the heck are you to look down on anyone because of the way they dress or look, right? It's, you know, I had to really have that talk with myself. And so I went out and I met some people and they didn't seem that into me like I thought they would be given that they'd come by at 830 in the morning to meet the WWE champion. So that night, um, the By the guy, way, you're not a morning person. Not a morning person at that. all. Yeah. yeah, not a morning person at all. That's why we always do these at 1 p.m. Yeah. Now, five, 4 or 5 a.m., I start getting drowsy. So he calls up to apologize, and I said, hey, uh, it's understandable. This is probably the only opportunity they'll have to meet the champ. And he goes, uh, they weren't there to meet you. And I said, I drew a blank, right? Like, I what said, does that well, mean? Yeah. He said, oh, my girlfriend's a crack dealer. Oh. I went, and I'm out of here. And I never stayed with the fan again. He that was, said, my girlfriend's a crack dealer. <laughs> I don't know if we can put that on a shirt or if it's wise to put it on a shirt, but that's the most shirtable thing we'll say today. <laughs> my girlfriend's a crack dealer. That might even be the title of the episode now. <laughs> my girlfriend's a, a crack dealer. So that was uh, that was when I, I, I had a long look in the mirror. I said to myself, you're Mick effing Foley. And you will become a two-star man. Two-star man. Yeah. And now, now I'm a three-star man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. You get down to two and a quarter, two and a half. I, I have to think about whether I need to be there. The worst Eastern. How many stars was that? It was. Ah, uh, it's probably falsely advertised as a two-star. I would. You know, it was the room itself, the bed that didn't collapse, comfortable, but everything about it was just dingy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the only person I believe to ever downgrade willingly because na- the Nature Boy gave me a call years ago. Said he'd been called away uh, to join the WWE tour. He had a booking in Nashville he wanted me to take, and uh, you have a riot a driver at your disposal, everything you know that you can want. And then I, I called him. I was like, I don't like the five star hotels, you know, like. I'll take a forced, you know, like I don't want the big lobby. Yes. If I'm with my wife and and we want to live it up, we'll go. We'll we'll, we'll make a night of it. But uh, yeah, I actually asked asked to be downgraded. The idea behind the big lobby is you don't want there to be a crowd after a show or something. You just want to get to. The I room. just you know what? Uh, once I'm off the clock, I just like it to be quiet. Um, I love. Uh, the, the lobby with the bar means is a higher likelihood of rowdy people and drunk people. So I, in my two- to three-star quest, I try to find the quiet places that do not have a bar. There you go. There you go. Well, let's jump into it, boys right. and girls. I'm excited to do this uh, Ask Mick Anything. I don't think there's any way we get to all these questions. We've got so many, but there's a lot of good ones. All right. Uh, Joe wants to know, what's a typical day at Nobles like these days? The rides, the food, et cetera. Oh, man. So it's with a K, Knobles. There you go. Uh, this, it's an amazing park in Elysburg, Pennsylvania. This is where I think my favorite episode of Foley is uh, uh, Holy Foley was shot for my birthday there. 
Uh, I went in 2000, didn't come back to 2008. I think we've been there every year with the exception of the pandemic and one other year. It's such a great place. Family owned, family run, uh, no parking fee, and no admission charge. Now, you can buy a ride ticket for the day, but they are in a, a small community. They really like their regulars and people know they can come and watch their grandchildren, for example. Uh, for free, you can bring your pets. Uh, some people come just to walk, walk their dogs. Some of the best food you'll ever taste. So now that I can't do the big coasters, not because of my girth, but because of the head injuries, uh, they do have a great ride called the uh, Flying Turns, which they built themselves at their own lumberyard. These are some really like do-it-yourself people, right, with an incredible work ethic. Uh, so I'll usually bring my kids. And I'll watch as they do uh, the Phoenix, a great roller coaster. The Twister is a great roller coaster. Love the log flume there. Every year, maybe we can flash this up, um, um, you know, for our, our fans when yeah. it airs. Uh, every year, we take the log flume photo. And it was only about four years ago my kids caught on that I wasn't really scared. But for years, I would just, on the way up the, the hill, I go, okay, what, what scary face am I going to do now? And I had a great variety of scary faces. And one time I overheard my son Huey talking to Mickey, wondering why Dad was able to be thrown off the top of a cell, but he was so scared of log flumes. Well, he's applying a little logic. <laughs> You're busted. I, uh, man, I can't help but follow up there. And he said, I can't ride the coasters anymore, yeah. not because of my girth, which is where I thought you would yeah. say. But with my head injuries, when did that start? When did you have to give up? I got the well, about 2012, 2012. So that was uh, um, I did a memoir, my Santa memoir, knowing that people weren't going to read it, knowing this is a really small part of the you know uh, the Foley electorate. Um, but I talked about what a big deal it was to have that opportunity to portray that character because it was a tough time for me. Um, I'd been, uh, you know, granted, I'd made the comeback so often, it, you know, it wasn't even a comeback anymore. Um, but still, retiring in a neurologist's office, shaking a neurologist's hand when he said you should never wrestle again, that's different than deciding for yourself yes. that the gig is up. And it was also a time when I was really, had a real aversion to bright lights. So there are some photos taken when I was doing the one-man shows where I'm in sunglasses, which is a ridiculous look for me, but I couldn't take the lights. And one of the drawbacks to TNA, which I didn't know at the time, I didn't know why I was getting these terrible headaches two days into a four- or five-day run, is because TNA, you know, they were really accessible to fans. They did the uh, meet-and-greets. Uh, probably too many meet and greets. Like if you came away from an impact show and you didn't meet six wrestlers, you hadn't tried very hard, right? right? But they would do the meet and greets and everyone had the flashes. Now it's different with the the cameras don't need the flashes yeah. as often. But it, it, it was like, whoa, these blinding flashes were coming at me. So the first two days of the tour, I would be fine. I'd be having fun. And then the next two days, I just... You didn't. I didn't want to be around people. I mean, it was, you know, I had the you know serious ramifications, and I was also getting concussions just about every time that I wrestled. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and I w and you still have that old school ethic. I've got one more left in me, and you don't think that you know. When I came to the conclusion, when I wrote Countdown to Lockdown, and I wrote the sentence, I had to. There was a match, King of the Mountain. 
And I know we're veering way off the Knobles question, but I think this is pretty Part interesting and pretty yeah. relevant. Uh, the King of the Mountain match, I got my bell rung three times during the match. Now, on almost every other occasion when I felt like I was lightheaded the next day, had a minor head injury, I would be able to look at the footage and say, okay, that's where it happened. And in this case, in all three times, I was thinking, oh, I think they missed the camera shot. Uh, what happened? I, Samoa Joe, just regular forearms. You know, I was like, wow, is he stiffing me while it was happening? And then I look at the tape, and he wasn't stiffing me. Right. It was just that it just didn't take much to rattle me anymore. So on all three occasions, couldn't figure out the source of the, the bell ringing. And then I finally said, you thought, realized, I get it. It takes less and less to hurt me worse and worse for longer and longer periods of time. And one of my big regrets is that the moment I put the period on that sentence, that should have been it. Yeah. Once you know that's the gig, the gig is up. Uh, and instead, I did a you know a few more. But that was a really difficult time for me. And uh, so in rapid succession, I, cu- I couldn't wrestle. I couldn't do uh, – at the time, I'd been an online uh, volunteer for a group called Rain. But the computer was giving me bad headaches after about 10 minutes. And the roller coaster, everything I really – a lot of the things that I enjoyed – and because my lovemaking was so passionate, there were often some injuries involved, and I had to. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it was a tough time for me. And you the had Santa, me <laughs> you did. The, everything I said was true up to the lovemaking part. Uh, Sometimes that crumbles in your hand. That's what it is. There uh, you go. That was fantastic. Instagram a wrestling historian wants to know. How long did it take for you to write Have a Nice Day, Foley is Good, The Hardcore Diaries, and Countdown to Lockdown? Most of our listeners will never write a book, so how long does that take? <sighs> you know what? I was always like a, a flurry of activity for a short period of time. And then every time I was done, I'd be convinced I'd never write anything again. And then eventually I'd find something I wanted to write about, you know, even the, the two novels. Uh, Have a Nice Day took me 50 days because I was on a deadline. 200,000 handwritten words in 50 days. That's really saying something. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, Foley's Good took about six weeks, 150,000 words, six weeks. Wrote it without even telling uh, the publisher I was working on a follow-up. So it wasn't like I had a contract for it. I just came to them. I said I wrote a, you know, wrote a sequel, and ended up doing really well. You know, the book did really well. Um, uh, Count uh, Hardcore Diaries, which uh, you know, it was a diary. So I can't remember what day it began, what day it started, but it was in the six to seven week period. And then uh, Countdown to Lockdown was still in that six to seven weeks until I hit the final two chapters, which I needed some time to do. And that took me a couple extra weeks. And even the novels I wrote in, you know, a two to three uh, month window. So, yeah, I was always, you know, just from the time, you know, whatever it took, 13, 14 hours a day of handwriting, you know, I was on the case. So, yeah, they didn't take me long. And that's just the way that I worked. Other people, you know, have a writer's room they need. And so when I was asked uh, to contribute to an article about, like, writer's rooms and to uh, show a photo where I wrote, I took a photo of an airplane seat because so much of what I did, especially on Have a Nice Day, 
was uh, was written wherever I happened to be. So uh, I was talking with my daughter about that the other day, and I said, "Yeah, honey, I, wherever I was, you know, I wrote dressing rooms, hotels, airplanes. I remember getting a." a flat tire and no longer had the expertise to change it. And while I waited for someone to come, I sat there and wrote. When I uh, had my knee operated on, I said, I, I can't have any pain medication. They said, well, you know, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Pain, I said, I understand, but I'm on a deadline. And so literally I came out from under the anesthesia and I had the, the notebook there on a table with a pen and just picked it up and started writing. That was my way of doing it, but other people have different methods. Well, let me uh, let me talk about another method of shaving here because we've all endured the pain of a cheap razor, you know, the nicks, the cuts, the irritation, and we've talked about it before. I just hate the subscription model, man. Yeah. I wound up with, with way too much and felt like, wait, am I really getting the deal I thought I was? Well, that's why I think you got to meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer. It has, in fact, made parts for the International Space Station and even the Mars rover. And now they're bringing that same precision engineering to your shaving experience. I just recently learned this. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble. The more the wobble, the more nicks, the cuts, the scrapes, the irritation. A bad shave, you see, isn't a blade problem. It's an extension problem. And by using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. And that means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. And it gets better. This razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor. Not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. The Henson Razor works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefits of new-school tech. And once you own a Henson Razor, check this out, it's only like 3 to $5 yeah. a year to replace the blades. And I have to admit, I was skeptical. I didn't understand how something could be less than the thickness of a human hair. It's legit. Uh, I'm sold. And here's what I really love. It's like $5 a year for the blades. How do you beat that? And it's time to say no to subscriptions. It's time to say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com forward slash Foley to pick the razor for you and use the code Foley, and you'll get two years worth of blades for free with your razor. Just be sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash Foley and use the code Foley, HensonShaving.com forward slash Foley. Uh, it's a shame you didn't have those back in the day when you really needed them. I, I was going to say we could come up with a T-shirt which says, you know, me with a little taped up gizimic thing. I don't always get color. But, but when, when I, I do, do. <laughs> it's, it's a shaving. <laughs> I love it. Second thought is, if you saw my mind wander when you said diving board, because I realized at the age of 14 when I was getting to know my body a little bit better, and I think you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 all the time. Yeah, I used my penis as a diving board for my Action Jackson figure. Action Jackson was like a knockoff of G.I. Joe, you know? And so I was just laying there and just using... And you'd launch him? It'd launch him. He was doing flips. May have been the first moonsault. Uh, you I may have saw. created yeah, it. Yeah, may have created it. Forget Muda. Yeah, forget Muda. Yeah. And I, Muda may have created the moonsault through the same method. 
I don't know. Yeah. So let's talk know. about your penis uh, when you're 14 <laughs> years old. Are you doing these diving board routines? Just in, once. In your, you just at one time? Just one time, yeah. But was it in a bathroom? Or are you just like in your bed learning? I was in my bed getting to know myself a little better and uh, spied action Jackson. I got easily distracted. So there is a story in Have a Nice Day about getting to know my body a little bit better, uh, listening to Barbara Mandrell sing If Loving You Is the Problem. I don't want to be right. She had that wholesome sexiness. Yeah. And then I spied my Coleco electronic football, which is like the state-of-the-art game. And so I opted away from the getting-to-know-you process, started working on the Coleco, and my mom walked in on me naked playing electronic football. And We've all been there. We've all been there, right? Yes. So I was... Saying now, this is the tether, right? People don't tune in to hear me getting know my, about know my body a yes, little bit. Yes, they do. The <laughs> yes, they do. This is Mick Foley after dark. <laughs> the tether is the story I was telling in the book was about working with Sam Houston, which was going to be a big match for me because I'd heard that Watts's uh, group with Bill Watts's Mid South was pretty high on me as like a lower to middle card heel. Uh, they gave me Sam Houston to work with because Watts was expanding his reach because the um, oil business was down. So the traditional strong towns were really hurting. He had that great um, syndicated package, and they started trying to run shows in some of the places where the Mid-South show aired, one of which was Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So I'm against uh, Sam Houston. I can't talk to him. We're in different parts of the building. So here's a guy I've never met. Can't talk to him. I asked Michael Hayes for advice, and he says, oh, Sam likes to fight up from underneath. You know, maybe we'll grab a bear hug or something like that and let the fans get uh, get with him. So I called a bear hug. We were having a pretty good match for two guys who'd never met, and I'm an indie guy, a few years of experience. And I called bear hug, shoot him into the ropes for the bear hug. And as he's come, as I'm shooting him in, he says, watch the elbow. So I've seen Sam a dozen times since then, and we always reminisce about it. And as he's going to the ropes, I'm thinking to myself, watch it do what? <laughs> and he wanted me to duck it, you know, so I'd duck it. And then he comes off grabbing the bear hug. And instead, I sold a phantom bump. I sold a phantom elbow that had to have missed me by this much. And I just felt all the air in the room just deflate. And uh, we kind of we tried to get him back. But by then it was too late. I was just forlorn. Oh, and it probably set my, you know, my full-time wrestling career back a year. Yeah, because clearly, you know, I needed some more seasoning. There you go. Did, uh, I hate to bring it back to this, but did Action Jackson see any other action? That, he was sidelined after that. Yeah. That was a one-off. Yeah. Yeah, it was a one-off. Mm. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable. Did you leave him on there just long enough to where you got uncomfortable? Like Kurt Angle in the hug? <laughs> Then it was time to dive off. This was my first time experimenting with my own body. I didn't even know what the heck I was doing. Didn't understand this. You're trying to figure out how things work. Yeah. I, I, it was my first time. Not to take matters into your own hands. But not it. my last, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that East Western was uh, <laughs> that worst Eastern. No, was no. I'm too old for that stuff now. But J.M. Wagner had a great follow-up to another question. He says, can you talk about the possibility of your first book, Have a Nice Day, Becoming a movie back in the day. I heard you once tried to write the screenplay for it. Who would you have wanted to play you in the movie? 
man, I did write a screenplay. I still have it out there, you know, handwritten. Um, I remember Barry giving it to someone. He said there wasn't a story arc on it. Uh, I was trying to get WWE. I think there, there is. I think there is, too, because what was nice about Have a Nice Day is that it ends right out, you know, with me winning the title. Yes. Which is, uh, you know, I think part of the reason that some of the uh, books by the, like, career-defining wrestlers don't work as well is they're trying to tell a 40-year story in 60,000 words. That's yeah. the traditional model they want. And when mine came in at 180, I say 200,000, it was 180,000. Uh, they were contemplating lopping off, like just cutting it in half. And WWE lobbied and said that the, uh, you know, the random uh, sidebars were part of the charm of it, and we yes. got to keep it as it was. Um, so I thought the story did have an arc to it. I mean, I thought you know it was be going to begin with the loss of the year in Munich, Germany, and like a Scorsese-like. Uh, telling yes. uh, with the woman in Germany that's Krankenschwester or nurse telling me, uh, showing me the year, me attempting to keep the year, struggling in vain for the German word for formaldehyde. Can you imagine what that thing we get on eBay now? Dude, it'd be, be crazy, huge. right? And then she th threw it in the garbage can, and in my version, it would be like you could actually see it, like whoosh, 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 and hear it going through the air, whoosh, and depositing in the bottom of a medical garbage can. Uh, it never went any further than that. Uh, I don't know. I had a... I, I, I know we were thinking of uh, Patricia Arquette to play the role of Colette. Oh, wow. And I don't know if I ever had any actor in mind for me. Uh, there was another project that almost came to fruition. Who like, would you pick, though? Think. Let's think about that. Let's do that exercise. Jonah Hill? He'd be great, wouldn't he? Jonah Hill as Mick Foley? Come on. The, the kid with the afro? Yeah. Like, not the thin Jonah Hill. Well, his weight fluctuates. Fluctuates, so I don't know if you yeah. can identify with that. I but. see, yeah. But I know I would not think Jonah Hill. He's, he's a great actor. He, yeah, I just don't see him portraying the hardcore. And he's not a wrestling fan. He, there was a reason why Jonah Hill was advertised as the guest GM, remember when they had the guest, and never aired. Oh, I didn't know that. The guys hated working with him. Yeah. Uh, there were some of the, they like uh, uh, Hugh Jackman, Dynamite. Fantastic. Muppets. They loved, almost everybody was a good experience. Jonah Hill was one, he didn't even make the air. Because wow. he was, he apparently just didn't want to be there and it showed. I think somebody saw him mouthing to his agent, get me out of here. So, no, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I know. Uh, um, John Goodman? <laughs> you're going with the beefy guys, huh? No, these are great actors. They are great actors. Uh, 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 Joaquin Phoenix at one point for the second project. Um, there were a couple other actors, but it never got to that point. Never got to that point. Maybe Ryan Reynolds. Perfect. Yeah. Or Gosling. One we, of the Ryans. We got there. Yeah. We got there. We figured it out. Chris Brooker wants to know, what's your go-to karaoke song? Chris Brooker, uh, I got a shout-out to Chris, who uh, booked me on my first UK tour. Really? Yeah. So that kind of opened up the doors for a lot of people. I'm telling you, within a day when it was obvious that the tour, I mean, these, you know, these 300, 400-seaters, and it was the first time anyone had done it. They didn't even know what it was. You know, it was, the price was low, included the meet and greet and all that stuff. And so the show sold out quickly. And within one day, 
Chris uh, was getting inquiries from some of the biggest names in the business wanting to do tours as well. So a big shout out to Chris. My go-to karaoke song, well, you've heard me sing a few of them. I love, I mean, there's about 10 of them I love doing, doing, but I think, you know, Turning My Way into Birthday is probably my yeah. favorite song. And when I was in Australia, I'm even putting down the Whataburger for this. Oh, Whataburger's getting pushed aside. <laughs> when I was in Australia, the first uh, night uh, we had someone doing the birthday, I did the dude's uh, wishing you a happy birthday. And then the next night I did uh, Sinatra's My Way. Um, for those of you who don't know what it's like, maybe we could throw up a clip, but it's pretty epic. And I did that, and the promoter goes, that's the one you have to do. And I kid you not, when I see what we do in wrestling is about suspending disbelief, right? So when people, when they get a cameo and I'm changing characters quickly, they know it's just me with a wig. But on the other hand, it's like, just suspend disbelief. You're seeing mankind. You're seeing dude love. And so I would have the mankind mask, which now has been beaten up so bad that I can kind of just place it on instead of pulling it on. And when I get to a certain part of the show, you know, um, you're, you know, this faithful earth stay, but more, much more than this. Ow! Today's your birthday. And within two seconds, I would reach for the mask, throw off the thing, and the next time they'd see me, which was two seconds later, you know, I said, yes, there were times you slipped and fell like the time that I was thrown off the cell. And the crowd would pop like they were getting a baby face run in. Yes. Like it was a Tony Khan surprise type of thing. There you go. So that was, that's Chris, that's probably my favorite my way. But I'll also tell you this, for people looking for Christmas gifts, the Let It Snow karaoke by Dude Love is priceless. And we will do that one live if somebody wants to request Let It Snow uh, on cameo.com slash McFoley. We'll do it live, and you'll see why it's so much fun for me to do. I can't wait. I can't wait. I uh, I want to remind everybody, if they are looking for some Foley shit in time for the holidays, you got a big auction coming up this weekend, yeah. highspotsauctions.com. It's a virtual signing. Uh, unfortunately, you won't have a uh, formaldehyde-soaked ear there, but we do have lots of cool High Spots Mick Foley swag at highspotsauctions.com. It's this Sunday. Yeah. Michael at High Spots does a great job of finding cool items in yes. addition to the pops, photos, and things of that nature. They have the, you know, the Heimlich? No, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, they have the turnbuckle pads. They have a lot of cool things. I really like being in there. It's kind of like being in a wrestling museum. Yes. It's really cool. Um, last time I did it, it was a benefit for one of the guys that need a medical help. Uh, disclaimer, this 100% of this money will go to the Foley Pizza Fund. It's a very honorable, yeah, it's a way, a good way to spend your money. But this one's a for-profit enterprise. Nothing sure. wrong with making a little money once in a while, right? No, no, sir, not at all. Speaking of making a little money, how about uh, Sean Cold here? He says, for the Royal Rumble 98, was it always the plan for the three faces of Foley to enter? Or did uh, two guys get bumped to make room? <laughs> Do you know, Sean Cold on Twitter, um, he, he was the, uh, the, the great actor uh, who was in um, Out of Compton. Uh, Ice, right out of Compton? Ice, uh, Ice Cube's uh, son. Yeah. On Twitter, he's Sean Cold. 
great actor. Um, but anyway, um, I know. Look, when they do like the gimmick battle royal, there's the feeling that uh, you know guys are not in getting paydays. There's a time and a place to uh, you want guys to get paydays, but if you can come up with uh, images that last for 25 years or more, you've done something right. And I think uh, whoever came up with that idea, uh, you know, technically, I guess we were costing two people paydays, but I think it's uh, in that case, you know, you're you're in the movie making business. You want to do the best movie you can, and that was a cool idea and one well worth doing. And it's one of the. I think top moments people remember from the Rumble all these years later. No so, doubt. Uh, and we're about to celebrate the 25th anniversary of that. It's coming sure January. We sure are. I don't know if you heard, but there's a Royal Rumble going down again this January. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, what do you think? Should we try to do like a live Folias pod? Yeah. San Can we do it? I, I mean, I'm I, mean gonna, I may be there anywhere on assignment for a project I can't, I'm not free to talk about. So I might be there anyway. I would love to do. Uh, and to me, uh, Royal Rumble is the second biggest show of the year. I, I love it, and it's obviously synonymous with your success. And this is the 25th anniversary. I say, me and you, we endeavor to get us a venue, and maybe in the coming weeks we'll announce the very first Foley's Pod oh, live show, Royal Rumble, for the 25th anniversary. Let's do it! Looking forward to it. Uh, DJ wants to know what was your first time meeting with Terry Funk like? Was it an instant friendship? Yeah, it was. It did seem to be an instant friendship. This would have been uh, late 89 when I first got to, uh, uh, did my tryout match with WCW. I don't remember meeting Terry that first night because he did the Saturday night show with Chris Cruz. And I thought they were a good team. And Chris Cruz, it was really good, you know, and he was out of wrestling fairly quickly. But I thought they were a, a good team. So it would have been a week or two later. And, uh, you know, t I like Terry right away. Terry liked me. So uh, I remember Terry and I talking at Ric Flair's uh, 42nd birthday party. He, Rick had that nice suite. You know, he always had the best oh, suite, yeah. right? So I got the invite to the 42nd birthday party, and Dennis Brent was talking with me. Dennis Brent, uh, he did the programs yep. in World Class. He did the magazine in uh, WCW. Uh, he was, uh, he booked talent and he was a man of many, uh, talents and he came over and he, and he, he told, he asked Terry, he said, D do you like cactus? Because you see something of yourself in him. And Terry paused for a second and said, I don't see shit in him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a pretty instant friendship. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And I'm glad to hear that Miracle Brand is going to make us feel a lot better. Check this out. Did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne, allergies, and stuffy noses, and it's just gross. Miracle Brand offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding like sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. Using the silver-infused fabrics originally developed by NASA, Miracle Brand sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with natural silver that prevent 99.9% .9 of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tags of luxury brands. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, your friend, 
friends or family who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets. And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays. It's also better for your skin too. So stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores, fewer breakouts, and other skin problems. And I want you right now to go to trymiracle.com slash Foley. That's trymiracle.com slash Foley to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code Foley at checkout. And you're going to get three free towels. By the way, Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Brand. Go to trymiracle.com slash Foley and use the code Foley to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Foley to treat yourself, a friend, or a loved one this holiday season. And we thank you, Miracle Brand, for sponsoring today's episode. Adofic writes, if you could face any wrestler today while you were still in your prime, who would it be? Oh, man. I love. I would love to work with Moxley, um, Bray Wyatt. I imagine the promos could be really cool. And I always liked working with people who had polar opposite styles of mine and then uh, putting a little of my own style into it. So somebody like Darby Allen uh, would have been great to work with. And Ricochet. If he had had a hot program coming out of the gate, I think it would have made a big difference. That, that I'm, Man, uh, I can't stress enough how important it is to have one of those great marriages quickly and establish. Uh, a lot of guys, I think that's the only thing missing was that great rivalry right out of the gate. Here's one from J.S. Trudel. He wants to know, what finishing maneuver would you be happy to never, ever take again? I don't think you're taking any more finishing maneuvers. I'm not, no. But is there one that you hated more than the others? I didn't hate it. A choke slam was difficult because, unlike, say, like a suplex, you know, you are absorbing that impact from your shoulders all the way down your lower back through the buttocks and your feet, right? Um, a choke slam, basically, you're taking all the impact on a you know, small section of your back. And especially in the old WWE rings before they changed them a few months after the sell, just taking a choke slam if you if you came land on one side or the other just slightly, you would feel it for a few days. And I remember wrestling the Undertaker in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, just a regular choke slam, which was not the finish. We went a few minutes more, but I could feel this internal bleeding coming up, and I finished the last couple of minutes. With looking like Dizzy Gillespie on a hot trumpet solo, you know, because my mouth was just full of internal blood. I made it back to the dressing room. I knew enough. I knew WWE frowned on, uh, the, you know, the blood at that time. I uh, made it back to the dressing room, went to the thing, and the just spewed blood everywhere just from a simple choke slam. And that's not a choke slam on the ramp or anything of that nature, but that's the answer. That's a tough one to take because if you take it wrong, you're going to pay for it for a few days. Speaking of bumps, Will Hackett wants to know, that bump on SmackDown in the Buried Alive match from the stage to the grave, how bad was that to take? I got another story here. Shout out to Whataburger coming through. It's not even an open Whataburger. Mick Foley got the VIP yeah, I, did. I got the VIP treatment. Barry Blaustein, director of Beyond the Map, 
leaves a message for me. And I've done a couple favors for Barry over the years. Um, this is not meant to be funny, right. although just uh, I got a message uh, saying, asking if I could meet a friend in Seattle. And, uh, and he said it was a friend of his son's whose brother had been decapitated by Al-Qaeda. So this is, and now, you, you know, this is the worst possible thing a mom could go through or a brother. That I remember that being, it was really difficult. So I asked Brendan Burns, who was with me, traveling, can you please handle this lunch for me? You know, please, like, I don't know what to say. And so we met with, um, Jordan was his name, and the mom, the mom, the first time she'd left the house, uh, in, it had been a couple months, um, first time she left the house and we were doing two shows that night and, uh, they, and I try to mix up my sets, so I'm not doing the same set. And I asked the mother if she, you know, they wanted to stay. And for some reason I had a really nice suite, like a Ric Flair level suite. And so we had like three or four people come over and the mom took her shoes off. And for a few hours, it took her mind off what she was going through and I thought that was one of my proudest proudest moments and I remember she had given me something you know that she had made um I can't, I've lost it I can't remember it was a necklace or a ring or or it was a, a band uh and Colette my wife goes so who gave you that and I went um she goes never mind you know uh you just answered like she and I said hold on so, no, you don't tell me. And suffice to say, she felt kind of bad <laughs> when she heard the story behind it. So that was one of the instances where Barry Blaustein called me up and asked me for a favor. This one was a little easier. He said, I hate to ask you for a favor, but I'm doing a film uh, for the... Oh, wow, am I going to forget his name? Ah, oh, jeez, how can I... One of the most powerful men in all of Hollywood. Imagine Entertainment. The guy who's not Ron Howard. Imagine... Uh -huh. Brian Grazer. Brian Grazer. He goes, uh, a guy I work for, I wonder if you could say hello to his kids, meet his kids. His name's Brian Grazer. <laughs> I get on the phone and say, you want me to meet Brian Grazer? <laughs> would you be willing to do that? Yeah, I think I can meet Brian Grazer. So I get to the Imagine, you know, beautiful building in overlooking L.A. I get to the lobby. Say, oh, Mr. Grazer is waiting for you. I go up there, and I can't say if he had more than one son, but I do remember one son. He goes, ah, I have a question. He was about eight or nine years old. He goes, did it hurt? And I was like, okay, I've heard this one before. He said, when The Undertaker threw, when Big Show threw you off the stage into the grave. And I was just so relieved at that question. This was at a time when I still held that grudge against the cell for being the only thing people wanted to talk to me about. And I said, you know, I was just so happy I made it into the grave I don't even remember it hurting at all. It was just a feeling of relief. We made it. Yeah, we made it. So show talks about that because I what I lacked in physical skills, I made up for it imagination. So there's a lot of people who could have made that if they thought of it, but no one would likely think, what if I could make it off the stage into the grave? So big show clearly helping me with that launch but that was a long distance to go for a guy without much spring in his step so the final answer is i don't remember if it hurt i was just so relieved to be laying in that grave uh one hopper it Fantastic. was a thing of beauty 
Garrett W wants to know if your career in pro wrestling didn't manifest for one reason or another did or do you have a secondary dream you wanted to per- pursue as a career path but didn't work out in front of the camera i wanted to be behind the camera okay so a great period of time for me was in world class uh the end of november of 88 through um august of 89 and i was giving myself till i was 26 that was to start making a good living. I love world class, but we're making 300 a week, you know. Working four days. It wasn't the 350 days that some guys talk about. It was four days a week, 75 bucks a night. But I loved it. I was learning. I was working with great baby faces. Man, I had some great baby faces to work with. But I thought, if I don't start making a good living by 26, I need to find something else to do. And that something else for me was going to be behind the camera on the production end of things. And I would go in two times a week to the editing suite at Las Colinas uh, outside of Dallas. And I would watch a video of Bob Von Gursky put the show together. And the more time I spent, the more hats he gave me to wear. So if you go back to the old world-class tapes, I did some of the voiceover work. Wow. And uh, put together a couple of the video packages. So that was what I did. I do believe in a backup plan. Some people think if you have a backup plan, you won't strive to succeed. I believe if you have a backup plan, you'll work even harder. Uh, that was just my philosophy. I'm going to go all out, and I know if I don't make it, there's something else I could do. Well said. Uh, to Old Scorpio, great question here. <laughs> he says, hey, Mikey Whipwreck was a far better tag team partner than The Rock, right? <laughs> How fun is that? <laughs> Mikey was great, but, oh, man, the Rock, you know, the Rock and Sock connection was tremendous. But Mikey was... Mikey and I together, Cactus and Mikey, that was so much fun playing off Mikey, cutting promos, like dead serious promos about Mikey leaving extra Doritos in my car. Uh, And the more ridiculous the subject was, the more effective in some ways, as long as I delivered it from the heart. But I love working with Mikey, and he was a great hand and a great bump taker and a great character. WSD says, in Foley is good, you said you felt you shared a kinship with Tony Soprano. Given how that was around season two of the show, have your feelings changed now that the show was over? I can't remember the kinship I felt, honestly. Can't remember it. Uh, So I'm not, I don't remember what I was talking about when I wrote that. So maybe a a follow-up at another time. I did mention to you a couple weeks ago, I met James Gandolfini. Yes. And uh, I complimented him because had it not been for watching The Sopranos and seeing that Tony Soprano barbecued with an old-fashioned Weber kettle grill, you know, that I would have gone and bought one of those incredibly expensive things. You know, people put tens of thousands of dollars into their outdoor cooking things and i just went old school weber kettle grill because tony soprano did i love it saved me a lot of money justin Hanna says what was your favorite memory of working in the memphis territory leaving it yeah <laughs> oh that's a clip for youtube well, right there i love that listen i made my peace with my time in memphis i didn't enjoy i did not enjoy it at the time um and i wrote about that and have a nice day but it was a great learning experience. You're working different city. You're working the same city every week. You're working 
Uh, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis on Monday. Louisville Gardens, which is now the Yummy Center, Yum, which I refuse to say. It's always going to be Louisville Gardens to me. Um, Evansville on a Wednesday. Steve Austin wrote about how dreadful Evansville is because that's where he got paid. And the paychecks were, they were small at the time. Every Friday night was, every Saturday night, rather, was Nashville every Saturday morning Memphis studio. So you ran your four towns every single week, two spot shows a week within a 300-mile radius. And because you were working the same city every week to essentially the same fans, a lot of the same fans, you had to find ways to make your matches different, sometimes like in Nashville where you couldn't see your opponent at all, and you had to come up with something different on a weekly basis. So it was a great learning experience. But I um I did take note of how I did not like being treated and vowed that if I ever made it big that I wouldn't treat people the way that some people treated me there. It was a little less than. Yeah, a little a bit of uh anti-northern bias I felt. Uh people telling me I was working a northern style and uh I'll go on record as saying that I did Pretty well for myself. Pretty, 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 pretty good. good. Uh, Joey wants to know, why did you start wearing the dress shirt and tie over the brown mankind shirt? Instead of the brown mankind shirt. Um, yes, yes, yes. That was supposed to be a nod um, to the corporate mankind. Remember when Vince made me yeah. his guy? And um, so when Vince... Um, I think I was wearing the shirt and tie when I lost to The Rock at Survivor Series. That's right. Um, or had I started that match, I started that night with the tuxedo. Correct. I was told to go out and buy a suit, and I came back with a tuxedo. So I think that was the first time I wore it. And when I was screwed over that night, I decided to keep the shirt and tie as like my homage to the corporate mankind gone wrong. So that was the idea. Uh, Eddie Prather, friend of the show, says, Mick, how much did being around General Akbar and Gary Young help you in your development as a wrestler? I thought you and Gary were a very underrated tag team, and you would have worked as a team in any era. Yeah. Gary was a super talented guy. I see him when I go through Little Rock. He uh, manages the Chili's out there. He was a great ring general, always knew where he was in the ring, could work with anyone. And we were underrated, you know. Um, I, I was lucky I got the nod. I went to um, Continental from World Class. Uh, and I, I got the call to go to, um, to, I did the tryout match in WCW. But I think we would have gotten over as a tag team. Uh, probably, you know, we're a hard-working tag team. We sold well for our opponents. We had some good offense by, uh, you know, uh, by the uh, standards of the times. And General Akbar was just, you know, to have a guy with that much experience and to ride the roads. I usually rode, sometimes I rode by myself, uh, but a lot of times I rode with Akbar and Bronco Lubitsch. And aside from Bronco doing 40 in the fast lane, <laughs> it was such a great learning experience. And there were times, like, as a rib. So uh, there were many times, dozens of times, they talk about a foursome. Bronco Lubitsch. Akbar, Cactus Jack, the Great Muda, when he was the Black Ninja. So we did a lot of road trips together. Ninjas, uh, M M Muda's English was really limited. 
So we couldn't say that much, but we had a heck of a time together, and I really learned the importance of saving money. Akbar and Bronco were notoriously thrifty. I remember coming back to visit when I was in WCW in 1990, and Bronco pulled me aside, cut a promo on me, like uh, just a promo ahead of time, uh, just telling me that it's not about how much you make it's about how much you save yes and he was like don't you dare go out and buy a fancy car so those lessons really hit home and ack was one of those guys i did the free show for when i uh when i finished my run and i did one for corny the people i felt had helped me out along the way that was my way of thanking them by doing the uh the new doing a, a free show for them speaking of cars brad stanton wants to know do you still have the minivan from holy foley <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't. That thing stopped working. And my kids, as much as they demeaned it at the time, the younger boys really liked it, had great memories. They wouldn't let me get rid of it. I tried. I called Ben Brown from WWE uh, Archives to see if they wanted it. Uh, he got back to me and said they were going to take a pass. And eventually a wrecker came and took it. Yeah, it, it just didn't run anymore. At a certain point, it became more expensive to keep it on the road than leasing a new car would be. And it was getting dangerous. It, it had almost 200,000 miles on it, and it was always in need of a repair. But I got it with 17,000 miles, so I put about 180,000 on it. You got your money's worth out. About 150,000 miles. That was a really good, dependable car for me. Uh, Jeremy Priest wants to know, I'm a huge John Arezzi fan. Do you have a story you can share about John that maybe we haven't heard before? John Arezzi at one time was like the... Al, <laughs> William T. Murrow, Murrow. Uh, I'm getting confused with Alfred E. Newman. Murrow was a great journalist, so he was like that at the time, 1990. You know, yeah. probably the first show that was talking behind the scenes and the uh, forerunner for podcasts. I think so. I got a lot of reps in. One of the things that the guys, men and women of this era, don't have the ability to get those reps in so that cutting promos becomes part of the muscle memory process to where they can go, I need 30. That was so valuable to me. 30 seconds on Montgomery, boom, two weeks from today, one minute on Birmingham uh, next Saturday when you had to be able to come with a start, a point, <laughs> and an ending right on cue. So I feel really fortunate that I had literally thousands of reps in by the time you know uh, i got to wwe and one of the ways i got those reps before i got the the chance to do those local promos was by guesting on john's show where even though it was catered to you know it wasn't catered to smart fans it appealed to smart fans um because there was insider talk but at that time you were able to be on the show in character yes but give honest answers and that really worked out well for me so i think uh uh, a story about John that people don't know. But I dropped an elbow on John as an indie show, and we really? turned it into an angle. It was funny how you can kind of... I guess they do the same thing where uh, uh, on, on Busted Open, they did the thing with Thunder Rosa having the match. So we could still work an angle on it. Yeah. I, mean, I could turn on you in a heartbeat, right? Well, I hope not. I, I won't, but I could. Uh, I'll keep that in mind. I got uh, uh, CJ wants to know, what would you say is your most positive contribution to the wrestling business? That's a great question. It is. Uh, probably expanding 
people's ideas of what a big star could look like. I was probably the biggest. Well, everybody knows they look like Ryan Gosling, like <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. We got no, you got to have a Ryan quality. Yeah, yeah. I did not have that at the time, uh, and that was what they're looking for. And so I, I think I expanded, opened the door for guys uh, to follow, like a, like a Kevin Owens, uh, like a Bray Wyatt, who might not have gotten a look as a serious as a star. And I like to think my lasting uh, contribution is that I, I think I treated people well when I was on top. And that goes back to remembering how I was treated in Memphis. And Memphis was 88. And by and large, Robert Fuller was great. You know, there was a couple people made life a little di- more difficult than it needed to be on me. It was already tough. You know, you're, you're making no money. You know, you're getting beaten up. You know, I took the big bumps there for very little money. And I do remember in 1990 sharing a room with Ivan Koloff, who was a former WWF champion, ended Bruno San Martino's seven-year uh, run as champion. And he was such a nice guy. I remember laying down in my bed thinking, if I ever get to be a big star, I'm going to treat the people. I'm going to treat people the way Ivan Koloff is treating me because I like how this feels. And that's what I tried to do. So I, hopefully that's my lasting impression, uh, contribution among the the boys, the men and women in the ring. Uh, WrestleManiac wants to know, what were Mick's thoughts and feelings on TNA when Hogan and Bischoff came into the company? Did you think they elevated the company, or does Mick agree with the criticisms that Hogan and Bischoff, uh, of Hogan and Bischoff's TNA run? The criticism, I don't know the criticism. I know there was a book about them. Uh, look, I remember Dixie calling me saying, I just wanted you to know before you heard it, you know, we hired Hulk Hogan. And ironically, or just coincidentally, I had just come from a, a store at the Smith Haven Mall where Hulk was going to be doing a book signing. Went into the bookstore and asked if Hulk could sign a, a book for me for a friend of mine. So I'd literally just come from the bookstore Heard the news. It's hard to pass on a guy like Hulk Hogan. For what yeah. it meant for me personally was that I went from being the one non-wrestling talking guy to being within a couple, you know, to suddenly become Flair Hogan, Flair Bischoff. Hogan Bischoff, yeah. and I was the fourth non-wrestling talking guy. So it wasn't good for me personally. I don't know the ratings and the buy rates and things of that nature, so I can't tell you whether it was positive or negative. I really, I really can't. Well, what I know about that's positive is when you're looking for a bit of a change and and lots of adults choose to use nicotine, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And not everyone uses nicotine, but if you do, you'll want to listen up. So get ready. This is an ad for Lucy Breakers. If you're one of the millions of adults who are already using nicotine, you know that not all products are the same. And there's one new product that stands above the rest. Lucy Breakers are the only nicotine pouch that give you a blast of flavor from the first moment to the last. Each pouch contains a capsule that you break open to release a rush of flavor that doesn't fade away like those other pouches. You know, the ones that rhyme with thin. They come in so many flavors, mint, berry, citrus, mango, even espresso. And you don't have to run down to the gas station or corner store to get them. Just order online and they'll be shipped right to your door. Every order gets free shipping. Plus, if you subscribe, you'll save 15% and never run out. So whether you're using nicotine while working, creating, or playing, Lucy Breakers is the intelligent choice. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Get $10 off your first order when you use our promo code FOLEY at checkout. And remember, shipping is always free. That's lucy.co. 
The promo code is Foley to receive $10 off and free shipping. Visit Lucy.co for more details. And we thank Lucy for sponsoring the podcast. Now here comes the five print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's Lucy.co and the promo code is Foley. Give the ultimate gift to the wrestling fan in your life this holiday season. You've asked for it, and I can't believe this is real, but now you can give the gift of ad-free shows. Head over to adfreegift.com now to purchase an ad-free show subscription for a friend or loved one. Simply click on Gift a Subscription and choose a plan. Plug in their email address, and just like that, your gift is on its way to their inbox. In my opinion, you simply will not find a better value in wrestling this holiday season. Get over with that special someone in your life by giving the gift of ad-free shows. Visit adfreegift.com right now to get started. That's adfreegift.com, your one-stop shop for the wrestling fan in your life this holiday season is adfreegift.com. Michael wants to know, what would be your dream match today with active talent? I kind of already answered that, right? Well, I think it was about in terms of who you would want to do a program with. Oh, this is a dream match. So I, just a one-off, just a match for some for me or for yes, somebody else. For you, oh man! Like with a program, I feel like it's a, we're going to build it for three or four months, and there's promo. Well, I'd go that. back to the same answer. You know, really, uh, either Moxley or, or Bray, I okay. think would be great opponents for me. Here's one from Stu. What gimmick match did you never compete in, but you feel like you could have made the most magic in? War games, Elimination Chamber, something else? I did do a few war games on house shows with WCW. Okay. I like those. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have done Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I never got the chance to do that. Did you do a scaffold match? I did. I broke my wrist in Fort Worth. That's right. We talked about that. Yeah, with uh, me and Akbar against Eric Embry and Percival Pringle the third, who we know better as Paul Bearer. There's very little visual evidence that uh, Akbar and Percy were in the match because they were on the scaffold, like laying down most of the time. And I just remember Eric uh, saying, "You ready, baby?" And uh, my body was kind of swinging back and forth, so I wasn't like stationary. Down, yeah. So that when I fell, I was falling not only say face first, but front first. And when I put my hand down. You know, broke my wrist. Still worked for a couple months with the cast on. Proud of that. And eventually gave a 10-week notice because I told Frank Dusick my, my my wrist just isn't healing. So I'm proud of the fact I gave a 10-week notice because of a broken wrist that wouldn't heal. Wow. DB wants to know, what was your inspiration for Bang Bang? I've told this story before, but I dropped a heck of an elbow on Nasty Ned Brady at the Dorton Arena in Raleigh. Uh, this is when Kevin Sullivan and Cornette came up with that great idea for me to turn on my tag team partners, thereby giving me a push while losing matches. Dropped a heck of an elbow, 10 to 12 footer on Nasty Ned, who had some of the greatest facial expressions of any of the underneath talent. And, uh, and the song um, Love Shack just came to mind. And so the first time I said it, it wasn't bang, bang. It was bang, bang, bang. And you could actually hear me say, yes, on the door, baby. And then that became bang, bang. But November of 89 would have been the first time that I said those magic words. Greg wants to know, uh, Mick, I'm wondering if a great comedy spot is as rewarding to you as a great match. It's easier on the body, but does it feel as special? 
Yeah, I shouldn't, but it does. You could tell with when we talked about Owen Hart and I stinking up arenas on purpose that I took a lot of pride in that. So I did sometimes really enjoy how that made me feel. Uh, one of the dark show, dark matches that we used to have. This is when uh, before Raw eventually became so big that it was the brand and the name selling tickets, yes. not necessarily. Uh, a couple of dark matches on it. Although they do, do still advertise dark matches. And I believe it was a cage in which I brought out Mr. Sacco. And I think Stone Cold ended up taking Mr. Sacco and throwing him into the cage. Mr. Sacco came up with the color. So oh, my God. That was a good... That was a good spot. Uh, we did some fun stuff. We really enjoyed. We really enjoyed ourselves. Yeah, we really had a lot of fun a lot of the time, and they did find it almost as rewarding as having a great match. So, since Mister Sacco had what we might call a virgin forehead, <laughs> did you help him do the honors? I, I think it was it was like a a, a packet. Okay. Yeah, there was no need to go there. For now, sometimes that. people think in wrestling there's a blood capsule, but we're not saying that. We're saying this may have come from a vendor stand. When this was not ketchup, I, I, I think I asked Richie Posner to put a little something together for me. Uh, for and purposes so, of my story, it's just right off the hot dog. Right off the hot dog. Yeah, yeah for purposes of the story, exactly. <laughs> but I remember being a fan and believing that wrestlers went under the ring for a bottle of ketchup. Really? That's like a lot of fans, you know, before Eddie Mansfield came out in 2020 in 1985, I was one of those fans who just, who didn't know how it happened, didn't think it was real, even though you can see it pouring and, you know, a blood capsule is not going to pour, neither is a packet of ketchup, but thought they might have a bottle of ketchup underneath the ring. From a strictly wrestling standpoint, I'm going to ask a question. Again, yeah. you answer from a strictly wrestling standpoint. How many times did you put the condom in your mouth? I, I tried it once and uh, against uh, Bart Gunn, and it went awry. How so? Uh, I think it was, it was actually in my fingers for the mandible claw, and it broke too early. And we got all over my arm, and we just never, they never explained why I had red liquid all over. And it stained. It didn't look like blood. It it stained. It looked weird. And it was all over me. And that was the last time they did that. Gotcha. Uh, Daniel Gibson wants to know, if there was a fourth face of Foley, what would it entail? Oh, man. This is something I, I when I'm asked on the, um, the one-man shows about the one that got away. All right? Just now, remember, this is Impact Wrestling, right? All right. At the time when the Hulkster took Abyss under his wing, and I wanted there to be a storyline where the Hulkster explains to Chris that when he fell in love and showed his love in a physical way when he was 18 years old, that there were ramifications for that love, and there had been a love child unknown to Chris. Only call it a love child. Love child, right? Never specify the uh, gender. And the love child would emerge wearing the Abyss Mankind-like mask with the name. Ready? Drum roll. I'm ready. Son of Abyss. That's gold, right? Is uh, that not gold? Can you imagine the t-shirts? No one would be talking about Austin 316. And you can tell Bischoff that when I had this idea... It was with the idea that we would defeat two of his guys. You know, mystery partner comes out, boom, smoke clears, new champions. And I just pictured EB with the microphone going, 
son of a bitch, son of a bitch. Like, this would have caught fire. And instead, they did a little heel turn with me, and I never got to be son of a bitch. It's the one that got away. Well, thanks to uh, your revelation <laughs> and the magic of podcasting. Over at foliuspodshirts.com right now, get your brand new Son of a Best t-shirt. It's going to happen. <laughs> Flying off the shelves. Son of a Best. we got to get a Best to a live show. Uh, he works for WWE now. Maybe he could be he here is, in January. He's a producer. Could you imagine that? That'd be awesome. We made a little football bet where if, if I win the bet, he has to put me over clean. I told him I'd hook the leg because I respect him. This is a Best? Yes. Uh, how do you know how do you know Abyss? Uh, it's just one of those things. You, you, you hang around long enough, you eventually know everybody. Are you a big football fan? Play moderate. Yeah. He, he was silly enough to say in my presence a year ago that Joe Burrow was the next Joe Montana. Could be. You don't believe it? No. He went to the Super Bowl in year two. There's no, there's no more Joe Montana. He's got a great command of the field. Sees the field. Will you stop? Great attitude. I see why you are the. What son about of a this Fields kid on the Bears? I know they're losing matches, but is this guy entertaining? I or love what? you. You got you got too much wrestling in you. You just said I know the Bears are losing matches. <laughs> <laughs> too much wrestling in you. Chase Terry wants to know in the early days of mankind. I swear I remember the mandible claw causing some opponents to cough up a mysterious white liquid. Yeah. Does Mick remember this? It really freaked me out as a kid. Tell me about that. Undertaker did as well. I don't feel comfortable revealing that secret. Oh, I get it. I just don't. Uh, we did it a couple times, and I thought it worked well. Um, and then the, I think the call was just made that the hold was going to be effective enough without the, the special effects. Well, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. And listen, uh, there's a time in my life, I think it was 06, where I really needed to talk to somebody. Therapy was a great help for me. And uh, I want to remind you that, man, life doesn't come with a user manual. And I really do believe when you're trying to find some solutions and get some of those uh, thoughts out there, therapy is a great solution. Uh, Unfortunately, since there is no user manual, and life sometimes gets hard on all of us, It feels normal to feel stuck, and that's why I recommend therapists. They've been trained to help you figure out the cause of the challenging emotions. They've been trained to learn productive coping skills that could be helpful to you. And it's also going to make therapy the closest thing to like a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million folks with licensed therapists. It's convenient, it's secure, and it's accessible anywhere because it's 100% online. And as I mentioned, I, I had a relationship go sideways in 06. I didn't really know how to recover from that. I needed to learn some new coping skills. Maybe you need to learn some new coping skills or self-empowerment. Maybe you're dealing with some trauma. Well, I recommend therapy, and everyone deserves to feel their best. And BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists that are all available 100% online. All the benefits of in-person therapy, but it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms. There's no traffic. There's no endless searching for the right therapist. So get unstuck with better help. 
Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Foley. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Foley, betterhelp.com slash Foley. Hey, Conrad, that's really valuable, and I'm really grateful uh, to these people sponsoring our show. It looks like I'm just randomly looking at my phone, but it just reminded me uh, that I saw Jewel, you know, this singer-songwriter, on TV uh, for something called the hashtag never alone, never alone, and then challenge. And uh, I, I said I wanted to be in on it, so I'm going to record a video for her. And the uh, auction item I'm donating is going to be one of those Foley watch-along WWE or AEW, whatever you like, pizza parties. That's cool. So uh, what we'll do is next show I'll record my video while we record the show. 30-second video about mental health, you know, letting you know the challenges out there, that there's that you're basically never alone, that yes. other people are going through what you're going through, and then I have to call out to people and ask if they'll do the Never Alone Challenge. So it's kind of like Ice Bucket Challenge uh, for mental health, and, uh, and I will tell people where to go for that auction item. There's nothing like a Foley watch-along WWE pizza, pizza party. party. And I don't know of any of the other WWE superstars or Miz done those type of things. Can I just recommend we change the name of that operation? Sure. Mick, are you not Mr. In Your House? Ah, there you go. I mean, it's a pizza party with Mr. In Your House. You're going to be in, in their house, house watching a pay-per-view. Come on. All right. In the In Your House pizza party. Yeah. All right. Hashtag with Mr. Mr. In, your in Your House. house. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, that's right. Yeah. All right. I love it. Thank you, Conrad. Uh, Chip Maxey wants to know, which of Mick's persona would be best at giving a best man speech at a wedding reception? I personally would love to hear mankind. <laughs> But who would be the best? I've done them. I've done them on Cameo, where they really? air them at the. Uh, and I think uh, they work equally well. Cactus doesn't. Cactus only appears for ten, fifteen seconds at a time, never without the bloody headband. And my kids would ask me, "Why don't you do videos as Cactus Jack?" I said, "The other two characters are easy to do caricatures of. When I'm Cactus, I'm just an old guy with a wig." Right. And then I realized, well, bloody headband. In moderation, I can make that work. But I've really enjoyed the earnestness of the mankind speeches and then dude, duding it up. Uh, it's just, a, I love being dude love more now in 2022 than I did in 97. And wow. that's, that's a shoot, brother. I, I was just thinking as we're talking through that about, you know, best bands and wedding receptions and all that. Maybe we need to get you into the, the holy foley matrimony. Like, what if we got you licensed? I am. Universal. Oh. I've, I've done four. I've done four weddings. Have you done one as Cactus Jack? No, just I've done them for um, Lady Frost and the Savage Gentleman. Okay. I did one uh, for my friend Kid Cadet and her husband Jude, who's a great independent worker, and just made my Santa Nice List certificates for me. And I did uh, Keith Lee and Mia Yims uh, perform there, uh, officiated their wedding. And then I also did one in Springfield, Missouri, for uh, a big contribution for uh, a wheelchair-accessible van for a young lady with cerebral palsy. Man, that's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah, Yeah, I do do them. Uh, Do you do them uh, in character, or do you do them as I have thus far not done them in character, but it's really just something for, uh, when I say the boys, it's understood that that's now inclusive of the men and women 
in the, in the in, locker room. In the, in the locker business. room. But I think we can get away with Yes, the we boys. know what that means, yeah. So it's done for the boys. So, like, if Becky Lynch is listening in and she and Colby take that step, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no, all... If they want to renew. Re- oh, did they? I think so. Did they not? Without me. Without oh, wow. me. Well, I was just You're hoping... seeing that... a human heart breaking. <laughs> Listen, Becky, maybe a... How could you do this to me? You're probably right. No, I think <laughs> it happened. All right. I'm pretty sure it happened. Ah, oh, man. Because I'm... Yeah. I, yeah. Grillo will check it out, but in the meantime, the I mean, nature's going to get married in the next couple of years again, right? Probably not. No. <laughs> you think he's done? No, I. Uh, I do have even. even well, let me just throw it out there for Rick. Even if he's not contemplating it, dude, love presiding over Ric Flair's ceremony would be tremendous. Oh, it'd be great, right? Well, I, I think you should still do it as Cactus Shack. I'll come back to that. But when he invited uh, my wife and I to. Uh, his most recent ceremony <laughs> with Wendy, uh, I had they called us on together, and I made a joke that I knew he would find funny, and I don't think she enjoyed it Ooh. because they told us the date, and I said I'm supposed to be out of town that day, but I'll get the next one. Rick thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Wendy, not so much. <laughs> I just figured, you know. You said it in front of her? Well, it was a joke. Yeah, it is a good joke. She did not find the humor in it. So, anyway, I think when you do Flair's uh, 17th wedding, because he is a 16-time champion, but he's going for the gold of matrimony. He won 17 times. If you snuck out, you know, and you could, you know, you're finishing the, the ceremony as Cactus Jack. I now pronounce you blah, blah, blah. Now you can. Yeah. Bang, bang. <laughs> Just saying. It could work. But it is something I, I do. I, I think I do a pretty good job, but it's really just something for the for the boys. Uh, here's the last one, and this is a, a real question. We've had a lot of fun with a lot of shenanigans today, but now a real heartfelt real-life question. Uh, are non-wrestling questions okay? Because if so, I'd like to know how he's dealt with and helped his son, who's on the spectrum, succeed in life and learning I, too, have a son with a similar diagnosis, stage two. Thank you, Mick, for all the memories. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wore that bracelet for, uh, like, seven, eight years. And uh, I, the only reason I stopped is because the ones they sent me, were too, they were squeezing me. Um, and after, over time, you know, you wear something for a few years, it, 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 it breaks. Like the contraceptive I used yes, I in, yeah. in 80, 80, 87 um, Mickey is doing so well. He is doing so incredibly well. I think he's going to be here uh, in the next uh, a couple of weeks from now playing the guitar. And he's just so much fun to talk to. There's a great, if you don't mind this, uh, I heard this story. He doesn't want me to post it, um, but I think I can tell the story. Is uh, He's a huge fan of uh, heavy metal, grunge, uh, Christian metal. And there's a band called Shinedown. And I don't know if they're a Christian band, but they're They're very positive. Yes. Very positive message. And uh, when uh, Mickey and my wife, Colette, were flying from uh, uh, Orlando to Nashville, they recognized him on the plane. Uh, Brent Smith, I think, is his name. Can we do a little check there, uh, Mr. Grillo? And uh, so my wife asked him for a photo on the plane. She's real quiet about it. And Mickey wanted a photo 
but he saw at baggage claim that Brent was uh, on the phone. But he, I guess Brent could see him like kind of looking in. So as soon as Brent put down the phone, having no knowledge of who he was or whose son he was, he went, <laughs> he motioned to my son like that. And then he talked to him for a couple minutes. They took a great photo. And he just, it was just really nice. It was just him taking a couple minutes out of his day to make a young man feel really special. And uh, so I want to thank him for that. But Mickey's doing so well, he doesn't really want to be identified as he doesn't feel like that defines him anymore. Good. And he was always wearing, you know, the puzzle piece. He was really yes. proud to be autistic. Um, but um, he uh, he just he sees the world through a different lens. And I think it's a beautiful lens. And I think we're all different. No one individual is the same. No two individuals are the same. Uh, last year, we went to, uh, we spent uh, Christmas on Long Island, so we'd be around my mom. And I love extending the magic of the holiday season. Yes. So last year, we went to Hershey, and uh, Mickey says, Dad, okay, it comes time, we have to drive from Pennsylvania to Florida. He goes, how far a ride is that? I said, 12 hours. And most people, oh, my God, 12 hours. He goes, Yes. <laughs> I said, you happy about that? He goes, I can listen to my music. So he listens to that music, couldn't be happier. A couple hours go by, he takes off the headphones, and we talk. A couple hours go by, he takes the headphones off, he talks. And then he goes, oh, Dad, who's this? And I'm listening to John Anderson, who's an old-school country guy with a very unique voice. I said, this is John Anderson. He, remember, he's never heard John Anderson before. And he goes, okay, but he sounds like Peter Griffin. And I listened, and I was like, I listen to it like if you hear, uh, there's a little girl. It's like, that's Peter Griffin. Now I can't listen to yes. John Anderson without my son uh, talking about Peter Griffin. And he's just, oh, man, there's a, you'll see. We'll have him in here. He's so much fun to talk to. He's such a great young man. He worked his first full-time, this full-time. But you can see my eyes light up when I talk about him, right? Yes. And you have to go, he goes back in time. Uh, Mickey, when was the last time that uh, I got mad at you? And he'll know the date and the year. And he'll, it was six years ago, last time I expressed anger at my son, Mickey, because he gives me nothing to be angry about. I love that. And I love that the uh, the stigma surrounding autism has changed. Yeah. You know, once, once upon a time, it was considered less than. I think people are realizing now it's just different than. And different than sometimes can be a superpower. You know, a guy like Elon Musk, one of the richest people in the world, is on the spectrum. Yeah. And I just don't think that, you know, a generation ago, people viewed it that way. So I'm glad to know that that's changed. And I'm glad to know that he's doing great. Elon Musk is not the, it's a perfect example of being a success. Not doing great with Twitter, right? Well, it, it mm. certainly feels as if it's uh, not going as he had hoped. <laughs> well, when you can pretend to be someone for $8 a month. Well, they stopped that. I know, but they, the whole idea was you can get your blue check mark with a parody account. You can fool people into thinking you're somebody. That was just ill-advised, and I don't think he takes advice. And I think what I read this morning is he put out an email saying you have to be willing to work excessive hours at high intensity. So I'm going to say Elon's not looking at the bigger picture when it comes to this. Not denying him being a... a an incredible industrialist 
Uh, but, man, I think he's dropping the ball with Twitter, which I said under his tutelage had become akin to swimming in a sea of turds. It was a pool of turds. There was a fair amount of turds in there before <laughs> there Elon were. had it. But the deal was you could navigate those waters and avoid the turds, and it got to a point where you just, when you're constantly bumping into them, you got to uh, you get, out of the pool. You get out of the pool. And so that's why I did. And by the way, if uh, you find yourself swimming in turds and you need a little pick-me-up, can I recommend Cameo? Yes, you can. Thank you. Definitely not a plug. It's no, a public no. service announcement. It's going to be, it be this, you know, uh, December is the biggest month of the year by far. Yes. I'm going to have a limit as to how many I, I do a day so it's not uh, dominating my, uh, my holiday season. But I love doing them. Uh, and I think I... Uh, Exceed expectations, and that's my goal in just about everything I, I, I do. So go to cameo.com slash Mick Foley. Check out a few of the reviews and past videos and maybe uh, book one for yourself. Uh, breaking news. Uh, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins were married June of last year. You uh, apparently got your invitation lost in the mail. I didn't. Not only did I not preside over the ceremony, I wasn't invited to the you, ceremony. It's a little disappointing. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text her right Rhea now. Rhea Ripley might be your favorite new wrestler now. <laughs> uh, next week, we'll be talking about Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I'm fired up about that. If yeah. you've got a question for us, you can ask it over at Foley is Pod. And, of course, the best way to introduce this show uh, to the wrestling fan in your life is show them our YouTube. It's YouTube.com forward slash Foley is Pod. We want you to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and turn on that notifications bell. If you dig what we're doing here, throw us a like, hit the subscribe button, leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. And uh, in the meantime, we'll pray for Mick. I can't believe this. I'm going to reach out to Miss Lynch as we speak. Correct this. And I'll just tell you, you know who I've been spending a lot of time at the cons with is Dr. Baker. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's part of the primetime appearances crew. DMD. DMD. So I'll do to her what The Rock used to do to to me and others, which is leave an autographed 8x10 for her. Are you moving in on Tony Schiavone's woman? No, no, not not at all. That's clearly his territory. Well, Tony did some great work with her, right? Like a mentor? All right, let me just say, oh, man, I'm going to be heartbroken live. This is state-of-the-art. Becky. I mean, we were going to close the show, but I think we got to hang on now, don't we? Becky, hyphen, how did I not know that you were married? Question mark. Congratulations to you and Colby, comma, and expect your Santa letter soon. Exclamation point. There you go. You're sending, you're sending her kid coal. I mean, they're going to have to learn, you know. What am I doing? you got to send them lumps of coal. they got to learn. No. I know. I'm, like with, what, I'm if, with Fred Claus in this. There are no bad kids, right? If Mommy and Daddy forgot to invite you to the wedding, they might no, also forget to ask Santa. No. No. I, Santa is a positive. The one thing I ask people when I reach, hey, that time of year again, I say, uh, like I give them the option too, if they want to write their own letter and then have me put it in my the Santa writing, I said that that's great because you know exactly what you want. Just the only thing I ask is not to use Santa as like a bargaining chip. Like you know, don't you better behave or I got you. so I, I in my in my telling of the legend, everybody's a good kid. I like it. Yeah.
That's a nice way to end the show. We'll see you next week when we talk about Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Can't wait to do it. Right here on Foley's Yeah. Bar.